This is Ride Pure, the Royal Enfield podcast. A podcast about Royal Enfield motorcycles, the people who create and build them, you, the people that ride them, the things you do to them, and the places you explore on them. I'm Gordon May, Royal Enfield's historian, author, and overland motorcycle traveller, and I'll be hosting today's Timeless Classics episode. Today we're joined by two more classic riders from the United States. They are Amanda Sunvor of Portland, Oregon, and Peter Demorak of New York. Great to have you both join us. Peter, welcome. Let's start with you. Okay, so um, let's start by talking about perhaps your first memory of sighting a Royal Enfield. When was that? I, I really think uh, I was preparing for a Nepal trip around 2012. I didn't know much about the country. I was Googling. I knew we are going to Kathmandu. And uh, Googling about Kathmandu, some people said the best way to experience it is uh, rent a bike, motorcycle. So I just Googled the rental places, and there were these pulsars and all these classic bikes visually you kind of know about. Uh, They're like egg to egg, very similar to me. And then there was that old-looking, never-heard-enfield-what type of thing. Loved it, absolutely. And the maroon color, never saw bike in like a purple. Like that was so out of a norm to me. And I was telling my friend, sir, we are getting this one and this is how we will do it. And uh, everybody said that it's just easy to go there. You don't have to do any preparation. You don't have to book those bikes from before. So my first contact was an image on the website, absolutely blown away, absolutely my style. And when I saw it for the first time over there, standing there on the side of the road, <laughs> it just heart started to pump. So it was really Nepal, maybe now 10 years ago. Uh, that was the moment. Yeah, and, and the sound, do you remember hearing that sound for the first time? When it started, it was just, at that moment, I think it was so much to experience, still the country, still the people, looking at the cow, looking at me, sitting on a bike. So... You didn't get to experience those little details yet. It was like a motorcycle that was pretty and I wanted to ride it. Then you took it for a spin and that smile just never went away. Ten years ago till today, it just, uh, look at me talking. So I, I cannot be serious about it. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So your first actual riding experience, so you first saw them uh, in preparation for your journey to Nepal and then when you got there that was your first experience of riding one was in Nepal which is quite unusual for you know your first experience to be in another country yeah that's what I'm saying yeah all all those beautiful kind of like moments of traveling mixed together and were enhanced by by this experience to to me absolutely as a as a bike lover I didn't know I'm Enfield lover then yet but <laughs> it happened Okay, so when you got home, um, how long was it before you actually bought yourself one? I think a year. I'm really guessing now when was the Nepal trip, but I know that I bought the bike in May 2014. And I, I actually think I could have been in Nepal the, the year, year before, the September, October-ish. Like it was off-season, not so busy, roads not so full, so it was a very enjoyable time to be there. Came back and the winter passed. So the winter, when it was cold, gave me the time to 
settle those memories, look at those images, and just, it was rooted. It had to get out. It had to, the Enfield tree had to grow <laughs> in, my, in my garden. And there, there's obviously, you know, 2014, there was a range of different Royal Enfields you could have chosen at that time. So what was it about the classic in particular that made you plump for that? It really, I look at, I look at riding as kind of like a, the motorcycle is kind of like the extension of the trip. It's a very important part, but has to, the image has to be complete. And I love the kind of the image of those, I would like to say grandfathers, like they would literally take a leather jacket, some leather bag, slap some stuff there, leather boots, take their old bike and they would go. They didn't have Kevlar, they didn't have any of this fancy stuff. Senna on a helmet, listening to GPS where to go. I assume you, you are the guy who who experienced this. I mean, did you have GPS back then? Yeah, you, I did, but it didn't work in most of the countries. Uh, it didn't have mapping, so it was useful for Europe. But outside okay. of Europe, it was no use then. Yeah. So I just love that image. It's very, very romantic-y that bike it's absolutely so unique so the the classic it was from the beginning i actually was the guy i was looking at the black colors i loved it so much but the black paint on royal enfield was the tank had a lot of white so it was not like black it was black and white then i saw the military done deal <laughs> there was nothing else for me nothing else so which military version did you get was it the battle green Battle green, yes. Yeah. Everybody reacts to it. That that matte paint is, is I don't know, it's unique. Very, very such a distinguished look for, for this motorcycle. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you 100%. So have you left the bike stock or have you personalized it? Have you done made changes to it to make it uniquely yours? Not much. I I am a black sheep. Everything that the others do, I'm like, I will not do this. I will do the opposite. So everybody had the big bikes. I had the little bike. Everybody was doing uh, customization. I was like, I can do all of it stock. The way they did it, the way, it and it stayed like that for a long time. Quite a bit later, I tried like the 19 tooth uh, front sprocket for a little bit comfortable. But I think eight years I was I was on the 18th, so absolutely stock handlebars. Maybe I switched once, and I just added the the panniers and saddlebags like original. To me, it's like a relationship. You have a good relationship. You are not trying to change the other person. You take it with the love you have for it, and that's how it was. <laughs> Literally, I looked at it like that. that this that's is wonderful. it. It's perfect. It was made for me. Thank you, Royal Enfield. You made the motorcycle for me. That's a wonderful analogy. I like that very much. Um, so I know you've done some really amazing rides on this around around the States. Can you tell us perhaps a bit about your most memorable ride, uh, where you went, what was special about the place, the terrain, what were the challenges, how did you feel when you made it there? And I know you've done quite a few. Yeah. So can you pick out your most memorable? I think going north to Canada, Quebec, I think it was like 2,000 miles up or maybe less, but I think the total trip was 3,500 because it was back roads, a little this and that. After I did my trip to, I wanted to go to Nova Scotia. There was a huge storm. I ended up at the end of Maine and returned. There was a big trip that absolutely solidified in me, the big trips. That's it. Me alone, I'm absolutely enjoying it. Big ride. 
everybody knows the long way around, uh, long way down. And I literally, those guys made me think they did everything. What can I do? And I said, they didn't go up and I cannot go long. So I will call it short. And I had a blog. Uh, so I called it the short way up. There is a road called James Bay Road in Quebec, Canada. And it connects to the last accessible town on the road. Lonely, boring, long, straight. I was like, I love it. These are all the challenges a normal person would not pick. That's me. I'm going. Like, What pushed me, I'm a retoucher. And you just sit at the computer. And it's a very monotone thing. And I think I burned out so badly that this trip just had to happen and I wasn't waiting any longer. So it was April here, still snow when I was planning it. And I felt the the coldness of the freezing and the snow is what will wake me up from being beaten down so much by the work. And I, I felt that's just the challenge I want to take. I think like beginning of May, temperatures were, if I was lucky, it was like eight Celsius here. So riding it was like zero. Canada was zero almost daily. <laughs> so that was amazing. Uh, upstate New York, totally gorgeous. Like That is just beautiful. Turn into Vermont through the mountains, tiny little border crossing. And then I was in Quebec already. So I had one night uh, at lodging like Airbnb or something. And then it was just on my own. The Leaving that big city was just smaller, smaller, smaller roads, emptier, emptier, and just crazy people blinking lights. Not I was the crazy one, not that day. We're like, who is this? What is this guy doing? And just plowing it up as as much as I could. So what was the your classic like as a tourer? How did it perform as a tourer? Zero issues. I don't think you experience America or any country on a highway. That is, to me, literally the most boring A to B line on a map i am uh, through the little towns every little town when i stop when i cannot wait like to get hungry i mean just to stop in a local diner and see the local people immediately have two three older gentlemen next to me asking about the bike and uh, you know when was it made who did it i thought they don't make bikes anymore and all these little things that everybody who sees the bike just repeats it's, it's just absolutely awesome mm. So the ride there was back roads, and I was the king doing 45-55 up. The beauty, the beauty of, of the trip was that. Which is the speed, really, where you can take everything in still. Uh, Correct. That is the other part. As a photographer, I want to see it. I want to see the cow over there, little beautiful loves on the left, cow on the right, uh, fields, horses, or whatever. So I don't like the zipping by things. And uh, it's absolutely the fit on, on every level to me. If time yeah. and money were no object, where would you like to go with your classic? What would you do? I would go down to the South America as, uh, as everybody else probably. A lot of people do that. But right now, my magic wand, and the money is an issue, but I'm still saving for it. And uh, it's kind of even I appreciate that. Like, if it's not an issue, do you appreciate it as much as when you have to save for three months and prepare for it for three months? Me on this on Classic, on my Hemingway, and my friend on the Himalayan, he bought just for this trip. And we are taking the best road USA, I think, can offer on, a, on the dirt side of things, off-road. And they call it the TAT Trail, Trans-American Trail. 
and it's going ocean to ocean, and it's just dirt, gravel, fields, forests, mountains, desert, and I cannot wait. And the starting is August 14th. Brilliant, brilliant. Here we go. Um, <laughs> tell us about the name. Tell us about calling your class, giving your classic a name. The name was Hemingway. I wanted like a companion, like a buddy. Like two guys are going on trips. So. so Hemingway would, I think, be the guy you would be absolutely, you know, he would have some stories to tell. So I want me and Hemingway to have some stories to tell and absolutely fill that name with kind of the same image. Um, when we were talking yesterday, you, you told me that you yeah. live in New York and that for a lot of people, their imaginations will come alive about what it's like living in New York and then what it's like riding Royal Enfield through New York. Can you describe the experience of riding your classic through New York? Uh, it's tough. Everybody wants to talk to you. <laughs> I have cars slowing down on these little expressways. Literally, he slows down next to me, rolls down his window. Love your bike, man. It, it, tell me what other motorcycle does this happen? Like, this is just unheard of. Pointing at me, waving, sweet signs, thumbs up. Uh, red lights, that's like uh, me leaving red lights is just the cars behind us behind me and the person who is talking to me from their car because we just don't want to stop talking. So we have to be pushed away from by honking at us. Uh, traffic, it's crazy. It's, it's, I think that image when you said people would have some image, it's exactly that and maybe times two, three. The, it's intense. The cars are just going. They, I enjoy it when, when I'm in a good state of mind, when I feel strong. And I said to you yesterday, like, if you're a little bit tired, it can get annoying. It really, like, do you have to be so close to me on the back? Do you have to uh, wave in front of me that close to me? I mean, this is a motorcycle. I mean, you never know what happens. Like, this, the safety should be there. But to expect that from cars here is just insanity. So you would not do that. I, I, I imagine, I mean, and I guess other people imagine this too, that if you live in New York, you're going to pose your bike in front of famous landmarks such as the Brooklyn Bridge or, or yeah, you know. <laughs> we do that. You, uh, uh, you do. That's what I'm asking. So, yeah, go on. T t tell us about some of the, the, the places you parked your bike to get, you know, Empire State Building. Is there a picture of your uh, Battle Green Classic in front of the Empire State Building? I actually don't. That one is pretty difficult because – to capture the building, you have to put the camera so high up and the bike is down below you. So it would have to be a little, little bit further from there where you could see the building maybe from a shorter housey street, not, not as tall. So that would be the only way uh, to get that. Or super wide shot, like just beyond wide to, to get them both. The Brooklyn Bridge, everybody been there. Uh, if you go to, I don't go much to New Jersey. You would see the skyline, Manhattan. Very good. I don't have one image there. But Long Island, Long Island City is on the other side, on the right side, east from Manhattan. And there are parks and spots where you, you can get some of the high lines. So is Brooklyn at the water. I have pictures there. There is a very famous part, Dumbo down under the Manhattan and Brooklyn Bridge, overpass, D-A-M-B-O. 
Uh, and there is the one street where you have just taller buildings and you see that monumental, beautiful look of the, of the bridge. So that is absolutely tourist spot. And that, is, that one is easy, if you don't mind, 800 million people with you taking pictures of the same thing. So there is a, just a little street that passes through the other street crossing. You just put it there. Everybody understands. Nobody kind of honks. They, they know this is the spot. So pe- people let you do your shtuk, and then you go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about ri- riding gear? When you're riding around New York, have you got you know the open face helmet? Have you got a period look going on, or do you ride in modern riding protective gear? Again, I I am the guy who feels that you have to play the part a bit. I uh, would. Yeah, I had open face helmet even in the Canada trip. So zero degrees, raining, haze, snow. Did you have open face, sir? Always. Always, <laughs> yeah. It's that feeling of that. So many people told me, protect your beautiful face, but they wanted to sell me a full face helmet. <laughs> and I was like, this just... The speed... I think it's the guys who have very fast bikes, and I understand it. Then it's a match in heaven, but open face to enjoy the to each its own at first you do your own safety whoever is listening to me but i felt the open face is just doing justice and sometimes i'm going as fast as those e-bikes these days here in new york so 30 miles an hour the bicycles are going faster so if they i'm fine with my little jacket red jacket long always long sleeves i cannot feel that I have open elbows or something that freaks me out. So long sleeves, anything, at least a thick shirt or something. And the open face helmet was was the most I had. This is a good one. that I, I enjoy this. I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell us how you feel about your Royal Enfield. Not what you think of it, but how you feel about it. I feel what I said. It, it brings the war romantic. And that romantic means you're in love. Your heart starts to beat faster. Your eyes get more, like get that zing in them. You see that bike outside on the street and when I cannot ride it, that's like when your love goes away for a trip and you cannot be together. And when I go back to it and sit down on it, it's, that's the moments to enjoy. And when you are on the road, when I said the 45, 55, laugh at me if you have your Speed triple. I don't care. I am in a back road in somewhere Pennsylvania, pom pom pom, thumping it. I feel like a king. I feel they did the bike for me. They did the road for me, and I will eat any amount of flies in my open face helmet. But this trip is worth it. Anything. So it's it's not a cliche when people say it's the draw and feel green. I feel. It, it's the beautiful joy of the oldness, that little shake it gives you in the handlebars, that, that engine sound. It's a little tractor that just pulls you through the, through the roads like a time machine. I absolutely enjoy that. Thank you so much, Peter. That's really great. And a big hello to you, Amanda. What do you remember of your first ever sighting of a Royal Enfield Classic? Um, I remember thinking the bike was a lot older than it was, and uh, it was a head turner for sure. You know, when uh, people see me go down the road, uh, they always think, you know, and I get stopped and asked about my bike. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. They're like, 
man, what year is that bike from? I've seen these, you know, and I'm like, no, nah, it's not what you think. <laughs> what is it, like 2018, 2017, something like that? Uh, and I, I call it my old bike that starts because it's got that, like, classic old-time vibe, but uh, with the creature comforts of today. Yeah. So do you remember that first moment you saw one? Did you actually speak to the owner and find out more about it, or were you... Uh, there's one here uh, that's in Portland, uh, and it's just a dude that tools around on it here in the northwest part of Portland. Um, I've never stopped to talk to him, but uh, I've always enjoyed watching his bike. And then when I got the opportunity to get one of my own in Squadron Blue, I saw that was an option. I was like, well, mine looks way cooler than his. So <laughs> it's something about that blue, man. I love it. <laughs> Okay, so um, apart from the blue, what else was it about the classic that made you go and put some dollars down to buy it? Um, well, you know, I uh, I love the standover height. Um, I have I don't have an ankle uh, anymore because I have it fused. So doing that whole tiptoe or any modulation with the ankle is pretty difficult for me. So like when I come to a stop sign or whatever, I can put my feet down with confidence. Uh, it's a little ripper, man. I changed the exhaust on it. So it's because the first time I started it up, there was, I was hanging out with all these babes and they were like, oh my God, I love this motorcycle started up. I'm like, yeah, no problem. And the stock exhaust, is uh it's pretty quiet you know and that hey some people like that stuff but i like to hear a thump like a little ripper so i swapped up the exhaust because when i started the first one they were like oh they wanted to like hear something more you know and so uh, my buddy with synergy motorworks in tulsa oklahoma sent me just a little a little uh, slip on for the end and oh man that thing is a thumper yeah so i like the sound of it I like how um, maneuverable it is. You know, it's really light. So, and it's like underneath you. I also don't have a wrist <laughs> and I don't have knuckles um, from like a previous motorcycle accident I got in when I was 23. I'm 41 now. So before I used to have surgery because I was like, yeah, motorcycle accident. But now I'm like, yeah, arthritis. So it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> with the position that I'm on the bike because I have to chicken wing it when I go, you know, so I can just grip that throttle and, bop, 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 and I look cool doing it. You know, I'll say. <laughs> so what kind of riding gear do you have on when you're riding it? Well, I, uh, the, I'm the marketing manager for Icon Motorsports. So I am in uh, full gear, you know, all the time, but. Go on, we describe make, it though. Describe it. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Is it open we, face to match the period look? Oh, hell no, man. We here at Icon say uh, full face or no face. I mean, the act, the motorcycle accident that I got in when I was 23, I went through a wire fence and I wasn't wearing any gear, like some schmuck, right? Well, like a 23 year old kid that doesn't know any better. 18 years later, 41-year-old Amanda's still having surgery for 23-year-old Amanda's excursion with no gear on. So, um, you know, always a full face. Uh, I have, um, you know, I have a textile jacket that has D3O armor in it. They're out of the UK. Um, and then we have a chamois vest that we make over it. We have MH1000 pants, and that has 
like a cordura in it. It also has D3O in the knees and the hips. And then I'm wearing these boots, which are pretty sweet. Ha! <laughs> and those have D3O in them and ghillie laces and all the good accoutrement. I also do the copywriting for our product copy, so I can tell you all about it. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. It's, it just springs forth from yeah. you. Okay. Well, I love motorcycles, man. I like what we do. It's such a privilege, you know. So uh, you've already told us about the exhaust that you've uh, slipped on a different mm -hmm. silencer to sort of beef up the volume. Oh, yeah. Uh, anything else you've done to personalize it? Not really. I mean, that bike is so cherry just on its own. Uh, there's really not much you need to do to it. Um, I, a lot of people like to put bags on it or, you know. I've been thinking about maybe a sidecar. I know there's some dude here in the States that makes uh, sidecars for Royal Enfields. And I thought it would be the cutest thing in the world to get a sidecar and to put my dog in it. And then maybe we have matching scarves. I don't know. I haven't really thought it out too much. But, you know, that's just a fleeting thought. But, you know, as the bike stands on its own, there's really not much you got to do to it because it just looks cool as it is. I mean, I did the cool mod. I put the exhaust on. Boom, babes. They love it. They love it. <laughs> uh, does your dog travel on the bike with you as it is? No, nah, no. Nah, he's not having any of that. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Tell us about your most single most memorable ride on it. Where you went, what was special about the place? Was it the terrain? Was it the challenge? How did you feel when you got there? The, um, the most memorable journey you've done on it? Well, the most memorable journey is um, you don't have to travel far to get to some of the best riding that we have here in the Pacific Northwest. We're a little spoiled. So the most memorable journey was right here at home. Uh, I have had uh, 16 surgeries in the last 18 years. And um, these last few have really kind of taken it out of me. And so to be able to get on that motorcycle, you know, because I had a Sportster before and it's just rattles you a little bit, you know, <laughs> it, mama's old bones. Like it's like I can only ride on it for a little bit before it's just like my whole body hurts everywhere. And you, that lip, that's the price you play for looking cool. Right. True. But uh, getting on that classic 500 and just riding in the West Hills over here um, with some friends, uh, and we were just ripping. And it's, I felt comfortable and um, my hand worked. And <laughs> it was, I mean, I, it was more like a, the bike suit my needs for the time and for how, like, uh, I wouldn't say crippled I am, but I definitely like, you know, look at this, right? To be able to get back on a motorcycle and feel good on it and ride on it. Like it was one of those moments where you're like, this right song comes on in your headphones and like the tear goes down here and you're just like, okay, you hit the throttle. You're just following your friends. Like it was just the perfect summer. <laughs> it was a perfect summer. And then boom, COVID. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but surely you could, could you still ride out in COVID? 
Um, you I mean, write, had, you could write to write to work and back, surely. When, yes, definitely. Yeah. When I uh, when we got back, but then I actually had that more two more back to back surgeries. So right, yeah, right, I'm right. telling you, man, I'm you know, I'm doing the best I can with what I got. I'm still having a great time, and I mean, I rode the classic 500 into work now. Right now, as it speaks, I ride my motorcycle every day. Tell us about that daily ride. What's your daily ride on the classic then? Well, my daily ride on the classic, it's in the backyard. So I got to like push open the gate and then we have an RV in the driveway. So I got to finagle it around <laughs> that thing into my girlfriend's garden. Listen, she hates it. Um, I'm always ruining plants. I'm always taking out a piece of this tree or bush. She like refuses to trim. And, uh, and so that I get around, I get it started up. There's always this dog, Archie, that uh, goes by me and he gets like fired up. I think he likes the motorcycle. I'm probably the motorcycle, but he is fired up. He gets so excited. I find the right song. It's probably some Chicago house. Derek Carter's the man. So I put some sweet Chicago house music on. And then I just, you know, live my truth all the way down the road. <laughs> One uh, brapple sauce at a time. So, uh, and we, it's, there's a lot of like, you know, uh, just normal stop and go streets or whatever. But then you get on the interstate, curve around, and it spits you out into the northwest uh, with Pearl District. I don't know if you know anything about Portland, but uh, it's kind of where like a lot of the design studios and such are, uh, you know. And uh, it's kind of uh, to go from one side of the city, you cross the river and you're in a different, you feel like you're in a different country, you know. It's... Uh, it's a nice experience. Yeah, I like working on one side of the river and living on the other. It mixes it up. Do you do that year round? Yes, I do. You do? I do. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, no do. matter what the weather? Well, it rains here. It's, you know, there's a 100% chance of weather, right? <laughs> so don't be a jerk about it. Dress accordingly. Like anytime you see somebody here in Portland and they have an umbrella, you might as well just go up to them and say, hey, welcome to Portland, because you know they're visiting. Like, we live in the rain. It's going to rain. It's absolutely going to rain. But, you know, uh, here at Icon, we make uh, waterproof gear. So it's uh, if it gets really, really gnarly, um, I'll put on my Raiden gear, uh, which is like some ADV stuff we made for a while. And uh, it, that's waterproof. So, and then I get to work and I'm dry and I look like a sweet badass and all my friends think I'm badass. And I'm like, no, it's actually pretty obtainable. You just got to dress for it. <laughs> so uh, you've already told us of your first experience of seeing somebody riding a classic and the mm -hmm. effect it had on you. Mm -hmm. What response do you get from people in Portland who see you? riding well, your classic i mean you must have encounters you know where people say hey what is that i do you know it's usually you know old men right that's that's who this that's who like my truck same thing old dudes you know uh they're like hey oh man they want to tell they want to tell you about a bike that they used to have or an experience that they used to have with this bike that reminds them of something back at a time long, long, long ago. Right. But you're like, psych, it's from today. Um, you know, also when I ride, it's almost like I have a bubble around me because people are like, 
checking the bike out. They're checking me out. So it's almost, it's probably like a false sense of security actually is what this is. <laughs> I'm like, I got a bubble. Everybody sees me on this thing. Nothing bad's going to happen to me. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of people want to talk about it. A lot of people just think it's older than it is. And I always say it's my old bike that starts because I have an old bike. Uh, and I used to have old, you know, like an old, uh, XS and old CB or whatever, always carb problems, always, always carb problems, always. And, uh, I'm also not a mechanic. So there's that. So that becomes pretty expensive after a while, you know? Uh, and this is just like, it just gets up and goes. It starts every time. Uh, I don't have to worry about anything uh, other than looking cool on my sweet, sweet ride, which I don't even got to worry about that. It does itself. I look better on that bike. That bike makes me look better just by being on it. And then I look like, you know, like I'm pretty badass. <laughs> um, the head tattoo and neck tattoo help with that as well, so. <laughs> okay so um can you in as few words as possible express how you feel about your royal enfield i feel like i have a connection to the bike where it's an extension of my body when i'm on it um it's an extension of the music that i'm hearing in my headphones and it's uh a meditative form of transportation. I'm not thinking about yesterday or the day before. I am in the moment and truly enjoying um, being present. That is awesome. That is awesome. That is all that I wanted to cover. But if you've got something you feel you've just got to get out and say about Royal Enfield or your classic, then go for it. I want to say I, re I really like what Royal Enfield is doing, at least here in the States. Uh, my experience of, with them has been with Bree and um, just they really seem to be targeting people that aren't necessarily like um, historic motorcycle riders. People, you know, newer riders making motorcycling obtainable um, for people that it they never thought it could never thought they could afford a motorcycle or, you know, the price point is right. The demographic is right. And I just really, I really, uh, I'm really excited to see where, uh, they're going in the future just because I like where they're at now. Thank you so much, Amanda. That's really great. That almost brings this podcast to a close. Thank you for tuning in to listen. And thanks once more to our guests, Amanda and Peter for sharing your stories with us. But before we say goodbye, you guessed it, here's another Gordon's History Nugget. In 1966, Enfield India opened a second factory at Toropakam, 28 kilometres south of the main Tiruvottiya factory. It quickly became known as TPM for short. It may surprise you to know that this plant didn't produce motorcycles. Instead, it manufactured Enfield agricultural machinery. Generators, sprayers and water pumps, all powered with 34cc two-stroke engines designed by Villiers. They were an instant success, with sales soon exceeding 40,000 units per annum. TPM continued in production until 1993, when it was sold off so that Royal Enfield, now under Aisha control, could focus on its core business, producing great motorcycles. Well, that really is all for now. 
Do remember to join us for the next Ride Pure podcast. If you have ideas and suggestions for future episodes, do get in touch by email, ridepurepodcast at royalenfield.com. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like, add us to your favourites, or even leave a review. To ensure you don't miss any future episodes, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until then, we wish you great roads and safe riding.